Father in heaven, I know that you are an intensely practical God. And so I ask that you will help us today to be intensely practical, to see the realities in your word and your promises um, and of how we can overcome some of the things in our minds and our hearts um, that is difficult to uproot. In fact, it's impossible to uproot without your help. In this session, Father, I pray that you will help us to be very honest and that you will show us um, the way of escape um, from the corruptions that are in the world and in our hearts through lust. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. This session is called The Myth of the Holy Harlot. The Myth of the Holy Harlot. I am going to do a part of this presentation and then my sister Jalisa is going to do the latter part of this presentation. Okay, so we, we split it in two. And this is something that's been on my mind. When God gave me this topic, I thought to myself, Lord, how could you ask me to talk about this? Because a lot of them are my own personal struggles. But something that I've learned about God, he's so merciful. When he wants me particularly, when he wants me to understand something, then he'll give it to me to teach because he knows that I'm really not going to look into it and study it as much as I would unless I was teaching it or presenting it. And so as I was going through this, I was like, Lord, this is, this is very interesting. Um, but I thank him for it. And I'm just going to give you the overall basis and premise of this, of this presentation so you can understand what, we're going, what, what angle we're coming from. Um, we all want to be virtuous women. Amen? I, I pray that we do. It's my desire to really be a virtuous woman. And like I said in the, in the blurb, in the, um, in the program, that we look at the woman in Proverbs 31, she's somewhat intimidating, like, how am I ever going to get there? Um, but at the beginning of Proverbs, there is a woman talked about as the strange woman. Has any of you read that before? The strange woman. Um, and we have in our hearts naturally tendencies to act just like this strange woman, which is contrary to everything that the virtuous woman, um, how the virtuous woman acts. And um, we, especially in conservative circles, um, can try to put on a show or a facade of being a virtuous woman. It's easy to dress in a modest way. It's easy to try to carry yourself properly with impure motives. These things are actually something that can be done. The Spirit of Prophecy talks about that. Um, but our hearts can still be deceitful um, and corrupt. And so the thoughts that go on in our minds, um, lustful propensities or desires, can still be carried out um, in ways that don't look like the, the same way the world would do it. But it's still a manifestation of the corruptness um, 
of a, a, a heart filled with those lustful desires. And so what we want to do is identify some of those today and just really um, give practical tools for helping to overcome even that um, those actions that appear under the garb of I'm a nice, good Christian young lady and we're still searching and acting in a different way, kind of undercover. Do you all know what I'm talking about? I, I, we're going to be really real in this, in this presentation. Um, and so I hope that, I'm praying that, you know, we can all be real. Okay, Ezekiel chapter 16. I'm going to spend a little bit of time in Ezekiel chapter 16 today, actually. So you can just, you can just turn there with me. Um, but Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 2. It says, Son of man, cause Jerusalem to know her abominations. Okay. So it's important for God, uh, it was important enough for God to say to the prophet, cause them to know what's going on, right? So we want to also cause, we want to know what's going on, okay? Cause Jerusalem to know her abominations. And then this is Second Corinthians verse 2. Second uh, Corinthians chapter two verse eleven it says, "Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices." Okay. The reason why we want to look at these abominations today is so that we are not ignorant of the devil's devices, so that we can be honest with our hearts and say, "All right, Lord, we don't want that anymore." Okay. Um, so, the the chapter of Ezekiel chapter 16 is a story of unrequited love um, and it's a really interesting chapter if, if you've never read it read it and study it because we don't have time to study it today um, but I'm going to highlight some points some points in it so in Ezekiel chapter um, 16 God finds this baby okay he finds a baby and it's all an, um, an allegory or analogy. He's talking about his people. He's talking about Jerusalem. He's talking about, you know, his church. But it's, it's in the story of a woman. And he finds his baby um, covered in, in blood. Okay. So in verse 4, as for the na thy nativity, in the day you was, thou was born, thy navel was not cut. Neither was I washed in water to supple thee. Thou was not salted at all, nor swaddled at all. Um, in verse 6, when I passed by thee and saw thee polluted in thine own blood, I said unto thee, when thou was in thy blood, live. Yea, I said unto thee, when thou was in thy blood, live. So God passes by this baby and sees that she's not been taken care of, covered in blood, and he nurtures her back to health. Okay, So that's what he um he does um, in verse seven. He calls thee to multiply as the bud of the field, um, and he causes her hair to grow. And he causes it. He uh, whereas she was naked and bare before, um, he looked upon her in verse in verse eight. It was the time of love. He spread his skirt over her. He covered her nakedness, and he entered into a covenant with her. And in verse eight, it says, "And the Lord God said, and thou became mine." All right. So at this moment, God is now entering into a marriage with, uh, with this woman and you became mine. And so after that, he gave her everything. He, he just 
Um, in verse 10, I clothed thee with broidered work. Um, I girded thee with fine linen. In verse 11, I decked you with ornaments. I put bracelets upon your hands and a chain upon your neck. In verse 12, I put a jewel on your forehead and earrings in your ears and a beautiful crown upon your head. And you were decked with gold and silver. And so he does all of these things um, for this woman or for this kingdom, for his people. Um, but... In verse 14, the renown went forth among the heathen for thy beauty. So everybody started to find out how beautiful this, this woman was, um, that he had done all these things for. Um, in verse 15, it says, but thou didst trust in thine own beauty. And so what happened was somewhere along the way, she lost sight of the one who had given her everything. She lost sight of the reason why she was where she was. And she started to see like, you know, I have some qualities. I'm beautiful. I'm attractive. I want more. Okay? This is what started to happen to this lady. I want more. Um, so, thou did trust in thine own beauty and played the harlot because of thy renown and poured out thy fornications on everyone that passed by his it was mercy verse 16 and thy garments thou didst take and deck thy high places with diverse colors and played the harlot thereupon the like thing shall not come neither shall it be, it be uh, so and so this lady this woman she gets to this place in her life where she's she she's she recognizes i'm attractive and i want more leaves the one who gave her everything and takes the very things that he gave her to, you know, as tokens of his adoration and to beautify her. And to, he takes those very things and she starts giving them to all her other lovers um, because she wants more. So um, this, is, this is all in, in Ezekiel 16. And you can just read the whole thing. But it says, as a wife that committed adultery, which taketh strangers instead of her husband, they give gift to all cause, but thou givest thy gift to all thy lovers, and hirest them, that they may come unto thee on every side for thy whoredom. So this is really interesting. What God is saying, um, when, you, when you have time, study the whole chapter. What God is saying to this woman is, you, normally people give gifts to the whore. Normally they pay her, but you know what you're doing? You're paying them for these attentions. He says, um, continuing, and the contrary is in thee from other women in thy whoredoms, whereas none followed thee to commit whoredoms, and in that thou givest a reward, and no reward is given unto thee, therefore thou art contrary. Okay? So God is like, I gave you everything. You decided that you were attractive and beautiful and that you wanted something else. But you've gone contrary even to what all the other harlots do. You are not waiting for them to come to you and give you nice things. You know what you're doing? You're putting yourself out there and paying them to pay attention to you. You're giving them money just so that they will come and commit harlotry with you. Mm. Um, and God is like, that, that doesn't make any sense. Like, what are you doing? That's contrary. All right. And so God ends by saying, um, 
Well, he doesn't end by saying, these are just different verses. Wherefore, O harlot, hear the word of the Lord. Okay? This experience is oftentimes manifested in our own life. Um, and if it hasn't been, it doesn't mean it never can be. We have this propensity in us um, to want something else and actually do anything possible to get it and we end up kind of giving pieces of ourselves to people to men in particular trying uh, w possible um, with everything possible to gain that attention um, that we could have got from God but somehow like just turned away from so remember what we said in the last session, um, for thy maker is thy husband, the Lord of hosts is, is, is his name, and thy redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. So God is your husband at this moment in time. Um, that's what he desires to be, but we desire something different oftentimes. Now in um, 2 Corinthians verse 11, 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 2, let's turn there, 2 Corinthians Chapter 11, verse 2. 11, Second Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 2. Are we there? Yeah. It says, For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Okay? So God is what over us? Jealous. Jealous over you. Um, I've espoused you to, to just one husband. And you know what's interesting? What's interesting is the next verse is one of my favorite verses that says, But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. And so the fear is the same thing the serpent did to Eve is the same thing that's happening to you. I'm jealous over you. But you know what the serpent did to Eve? He convinced Eve that she wanted more than what God could give her. That's what he did. You want more. And this is how you're going to get more. Okay? This is the way that you can procure it. You're going to play the harlot. Give over your affections, your attentions, your gifts to another person and have that, you know, um, relationship with them. So Jeremiah chapter 2. Let's go there. Jeremiah chapter 2. Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 13. This is what the Lord is saying. Welcome. So what the Lord is saying um, to us. Okay. For my people have committed how many evils? Two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed them out cisterns broken cisterns that can hold no water okay now i want you to just understand god uh, this uh, j just just picture it with me before we go into some specifics god is saying all right so first of all i gave you everything and you lack nothing and you turned away from me that's the first evil but 
you're not even turning to anybody that can give you really anything that's going to satisfy you or that's going to help you in any way. In fact, you are giving them more than they're giving to you, right? You're paying them. And this is actually what happens to us. This is metaphorically that we end up giving pieces of ourselves to the men that we are seeking attention from. We end up doing that and it hurts us a lot more. So God is like, this is, if you were at least going to someone who was going, who, who was giving something to you you know maybe it could make sense of it but how could you be going and paying them <laughs> you know it's like it's like a double whammy so you commit two evils none of this makes any sense um so this is where the lord is and i i, I look i, I said god I'm, I'm so sorry you know so i look at i looked at this and i saw i really saw myself like i'm telling you i see myself in this um and so unrequited love um, in Isaiah chapter 65, we'll go there really quickly. And this is the Lord kind of crying out after his people. Um, and in Isaiah chapter 65, verse one and two, he says, I am sought of them that ask not for me. I am found of them that sought me not. I said, behold me, behold me unto a nation that was not called by my name. I have spread out my hands all the day unto a rebellious people, which walketh in a way that was not good after their own thoughts. All right. So God, these people are not seeking me and I've spread out my hands all the day. Like God wants us back. You know what we're doing? We're, we're playing the harlot. Um, and God says, you know, you're paying them. and You're not getting anything. Um, and I want us to go really quickly to Genesis um, chapter 15 because I want us to read it. It's just one simple sentence. Um, but I want us to to read what God says in, in Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. Um, after he taught, he's, after he talked to the woman in, in Ezekiel 16 and said, you know, you're you're really giving out all of your your uh, your gifts and everything that I gave to you. You're not getting anything in return. Genesis 15 verse 1 says, After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. God is really the truest reward that we can, that we can um, ever receive. In fact, communion with him, and fellowship with him is the goal. It is the purpose. It, it, it is everything that's our focus. That's what we were created for. And um, we lose sight of that reward. You know, that woman lost sight of it and started to seek for who knows what from all the other people, right? Really, who knows what? Um, well, we do know what. Because inside of us, there are baser, lower passions, Okay, all these things that God is doing, he's appealing to our higher nature. He's appealing to the part, the parts of us that really understands, wants to understand what it is to be in fellowship and communion with the God of the universe. That's such a high and holy privilege and calling. Um, but there's a lower, lower base of passions inside of us that we want something that can be gratified only by... Um, sensuality that God is not going to, he's not going to satisfy that. Like he's not going to, he, he's not going to give in to the desires of our corrupt heart. Does that make sense? Like he's not going to give us that. And so if in our, if what we really want is to feel good, you know, that chemistry type, this is nice type, you all know what I'm talking about, right? 
Okay, that type of thing that ma- it, it, it makes us like buzz a little bit. God's not giving us that. And he's like, by the way, you're hurting yourself. Like that doesn't even really feel good, but you think it does. And that's the reason why you just continue to give pieces of yourself to other people um, because you haven't yet learned that that's destroying you. So the strange woman, let's go to Proverbs chapter five. Proverbs chapter 5. And by the way, I want all of you to know that I am talking to myself. God is talking to me. And you are just being blessed, I hope, by the overflow of a conversation that God has had with me. Danella, give me your heart. It is corrupt. Okay, so Proverbs chapter 5. Um, it talks about the, some of the ways of a strange woman. Now, the end of this strange woman's path is like death and hell, okay? So in your own time, read Proverbs chapter 5 and Proverbs chapter 6, talking about this is really counsel to a man to stay away from the strange woman. That's really what these chapters are about. But we want to understand what this strange woman is about because in some ways, in our own actions, is brought out, okay? So in verse 3, it says... Um, The lips of a strange woman drop as a honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil. And as we look at these points, I want you to be thinking about your associations with your brothers in Christ, or brothers in the world even, associations with men. Think about that. We know how to speak nicely to men, don't we? I mean, we know how to speak to them really well. And we know how to make them feel good, okay? And that, that's, that's a problem. The lips of a strange, they drop as a honey, smoother than oil, all right? This is a strange woman. We know how to do this. We're not ignorant of, the, of, of Satan's devices. And I don't want us to play innocent either. Like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Yes, yes, you do. No, I'm talking to myself, by the way. Because so often I'll be like, no, I said that in innocence. And God's like, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. You said that because you knew that that was going to make him feel good. You knew that was going to make him smile. And you knew that that was going to make you feel good too. Like you knew those things, Another. Like don't play games with me. All right, verse 6. It says, um, lest thou shouldst ponder the path of life. Her ways are movable um that thou canst not know them this was so when i read this i was like wow lord because what god wants us to have is a consistent life right never man spoke like jesus spoke because never man lived like he lived it was the quiet consistent life of a christian and the life of a virtuous woman is going to be a consistent one but do you know the strange woman especially the present truth strange woman or especially the conservative strange woman the 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 strange woman who is covered by this garb of sanctity she Um, will look to be associating correctly with the majority of people. But with a few, it looks different. And with a few, it looks different, maybe under the cover, maybe to the side, maybe through text messages, maybe through phone calls that nobody else hears, right? Maybe, and everything else looks fine, but it's inconsistent. And so what I'm saying is you can't look at that woman and say she's going to act the same across the board with everybody because we don't because we have the attributes of a strange woman, this inconsistency. Well, there's something between the two of us, and I kind of want to perpetuate that, but I'm not going to call it perpetuating it. I'm going to call it like, you know, uh, I really didn't understand this 
verse in the Bible. Could you explain it to me a little better? Stop. <laughs> like, I have a Bible study contact, and you know, I just, I needed some help on how to, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, we have a problem, and today we want to root it out. Like, we have a serious problem. I have a problem. Okay, Proverbs chapter 6. Turn over to Proverbs chapter 6, um, verse 24. Well, in verse 23, it says, For the commandment is a lamp, and the light law is light, and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. Amen. Verse 24, it says, To keep thee from the evil woman, from the flattery of the tongue of a strange woman. You know, brother, you know, that... That sermon, it was such a blessing to my soul. And, you know, every time you speak, everybody is blessed. <laughs> and that's just me being very moderate. But it's flattery. It's, it's, it's flattery. And this flattery can come out. I have to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be careful with how I say things, just in case this goes public. But, you know, there are things that you can flatter your brothers about and it's not even really flattery but it is because we're in this conservative circle so we're not going to outrightly come out and say you know that looked really good in you or you know you're such a strong but you're like we're not going to say these things but it can come off in in subtle ways i'm just going to stop there and ask the lord to speak to your heart about that okay um verse 25 it says, Last not after her beauty in thine heart, neither let her take thee with, that, with her eyelids. Right, now this is really interesting, okay? You know why this is interesting? Because the Bible is saying to the man, don't let her take you in with her beauty. Don't let her take her in with her eyelids. Do you think that she doesn't know what she's doing? Oh, yeah. I'm telling you. Now, <laughs> I want us to be honest with our hearts. We know what we're doing. We know how to take men in with our eyelids. Like, we know what that is. So, like I said, I'm transitioning to another ministry, right? And when I'm in that, when, I'm, when I transitioned, I started to work in the garden. And I love working in the garden. And I spend lots of time just, you know, agriculture and learning how to become self-supporting. Praise the Lord. What I started to realize was that all of a sudden, I would look in the mirror and be like, my appearance looks different. You know, now I'll just, I'm not, I don't look shabby, but now I'll just, you know, my hair will, it won't be like all nice and dead. Okay. It, it will just be presentable and neat. And I'm, I'm going out, I'm talking to people. I'm still having interaction. There's still people coming and going from the place where we are. But I realized to myself, Danella, like, why is it that in certain circles, you, you make sure that your hair always looks so nice? Like, why is it that at certain places, you know, you cannot leave your house if such and such a person is in such and such proximity without looking a certain way? Like, why is that? And the Lord, the, I'm telling the Lord, he was so pointed at me. He's like, Danella Taylor, I hope you realize what has been going on up until this point. And I was like, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> have mercy on my soul. We know how to do it. We know how to take them in with our eyelids and with our beauty. And we know how to do it in a long skirt. Yes. I said 
Yes. Yes. Good question. Good question. I'm going to repeat it. The question was, what is the difference between going over the top and just being neat and presentable? That's an excellent question. And wow, <laughs> I could speak for hours on dress reform. But um, I'll say this in a nutshell. When we commune with our own hearts, we'll know the motives about why we're doing something. That's really what I'm trying to hit at. I'm not trying to say that we should look on it. Um, unacceptable or that we should look unkempt at any time we shouldn't and there's nothing wrong with maintaining a dignified presentable and even attractive presentation that Jesus is attractive he had no beauty that we should attract him but he is an attractive person um, and so when we dress it's not to attract people to our beauty but it is to present the attractiveness of the gospel of Jesus and that needs to be presented and so I'm not saying that we should you know throw neatness to the wind but what I am saying is if I would be perfectly fine let's just say um, I'm just using this as an example let's just say I would be perfectly fine with just having my hair wrapped all the time but when such and such a person I knew was going to be my proximity all of a sudden like that head wrap it wasn't it wasn't acceptable to me anymore that's a motive thing that's not some it, it's not that I would look um, unacceptable wrapping my head or I look unacceptable with such and such a hairstyle or with a certain type of attire, but my motives, am I changing because of certain people that are now coming into my close proximity? Does that make sense? Okay, so that's really what I'm talking about. What's wrong with that? That's strange woman behavior. It's, it's strange woman behavior because what's happening now is I'm being inconsistent. I'm really doing something to try to gain the attention of those men that are coming because I have some kind of an attraction to them. So you don't think you would gain your attention just by wrapping So that wasn't my motive. So if my motive is pure, then attraction may come and go. I'm not saying attraction may come and go at all times. I can't say anything about my brothers, but I can say something about my own heart. So if, my, if in my own heart, the reason why I'm doing something is specifically to gain the attraction, then my behavior is not coming from a pure, pure motive. God has everything that he already needs. Um, if, he, if we give him our full heart, then he will transform our hearts. Uh, men do not need to be attracted. Um, we don't need to gain the attraction of men. We just need to um, gain a relationship with Jesus Christ. And when our hearts are fully given over to him, um, he will work everything else out that he wants to work out. Um, and so the problem with this, the problem with what I'm talking about is, is that we're even putting our attentions or trying to attract people we don't even know what that is in the will of God, one. And two, it's the wrong behavior. It's the behavior of a strange woman. It's not the behavior of a virtuous woman. All right. Um, verse 26, it says, For by means of a whorish woman, a man is brought to a piece of bread, and the adulteress will hunt for the precious life. So this is a little bit like what I'm talking about. The, this woman is the pursuer in this situation. The, this behavior looks like us actively doing something to maintain an association with a male um, that 
doesn't need to be maintained. And these things really, I'm, they can, it, it's talking about the motives. We're really talking about the motives. So whether that means, you know, you're in a group setting and you purposefully go and always sit around the same table as such and such and such purposefully i'm not saying if it happens accidentally but purposefully that in in your in our minds that's actually acting the part of a pursuer um, or i'm purposefully making our interaction such that it's of a frequent nature purposefully doing that um, and it may be for an array of different motives that i can think of and all of these arrays of di different motives may look very sanctified may look very sanctified okay i'm preaching a sermon today can i have some help like very sanctified but what is going on in my heart <laughs> right um that's the problem verse 32 i just wanted mm -hmm. to outline how um how detrimental this is it says Whoso committeth adultery with a woman lacketh understanding. He that doeth it destroyeth his own soul. Mm -hmm. Now, what did Jesus say? A man who does what? Looketh on a woman to lust after her has committed adultery in his heart. So this is not talking about only I've, got, I've committed the act of adultery or fornication. If I am doing something to my brothers in my behavior that's causing them to lust after me, I have caused them to commit adultery and destroyed their soul. And that came from my own impure motives. I just acted the part of a strange woman. And you know, when I, I started to realize this, I was like, Lord, have mercy on my soul. Um, because this strange woman... Uh, playing the part of a harlot is being acted out in my very behavior and can actually bring somebody's soul to eternal ruin um, if I continue with that behavior. And so it's so essential for us to give this to God. Okay, I'm going to finish and Sister Jalisa is going to um, take over. I've just got two more things to say. We, l we looked at this last time. So I'm going to pass over it. Psalms 15, verse 1 and 2. Um, we need to learn how to speak the truth in our heart. And that means being real with our motives. Being real with our motives. And understanding that these, these behaviors uh, are not right. So first of all, I have to say that. It's not okay to attract attention. It's not okay for them to get them to be in my presence or my association. It's not okay for me to lure them in. And then, what actions am I doing to lure them in? And what sanctified actions am I doing to lure, to lure them in? Pharisaical flirting. You know, the Pharisees, <laughs> the Pharisees did a lot of things in the name of religion that was so off, you know? <laughs> anyway, they really preached the word. They really preached the word and they were just going contrary to it. They were trying to crucify Jesus really quickly because the Sabbath is coming. You know, like, does it make, you know, like, we can't go into Pilate's hall because, you know, we're going to be defiled. But, like, no, this doesn't make, you're killing a man. Like, it doesn't even matter if this spills over into the Sabbath anymore. And so we want to look at the, the fact that in our minds, you know, sometimes we can be like, I'm dressing properly, I'm speaking properly, I'm carrying myself properly, and I'm still flirting. I am still flirting with the opposite sex, but I'm doing it 
in a way that at least my demeanor still looks like I'm a consecrated young lady. Pharisaical flirting. So this is a quote. It says, there will be women who will become tempters and who will do their best to attract and win the attention of men to themselves. Now listen to the way that they do it, okay? First, they will seek to win their sympathy. All right. This is the first way. Next, their affections. And then to induce them to break God's holy law. Right. This is the way. This is the, uh, the order. I read this. And, well, the Lord is working on my heart. So, win their sympathy. Win their affections. Then induce them to break God's holy law. Win their sympathies. It just looks so simple. You know, how are you doing? You know, things aren't going so well. Really? What's happening? And all of a sudden, you know what, you know what I'm doing? I'm pulling, I'm pulling in their sympathies. And now I'm telling them about the things that's going on. And now we, we have this emotional bond. But it's really, I'm just sharing things with my big brother. No. <laughs> Find a sister. <laughs> Win their affections, okay? We know how to win affections for men, and we know how to hold on to them. At least I know I do. I know how to be like, this person is attached to me in some way, and I to feel good about that. Oh, this person is losing their attachment to me. Let me do something about that. I, I know, I'm telling you, I know how to do it. And I'm like, God, um, this is terrible. Like, I'm definitely the strange woman. But you could, God can do something. And Jaleesa is going to share it with us. Amen. To, to uh, help us to come out of this pit. So I'm not, I'm not going to stay too much on this. But I just want us to see the simplicity of what ends in inducing them to break God's law. And remember, breaking God's law begins in the mind. So if we've induced them to begin to lust after this in our minds, that, that, that was still the con- um, the conclusion of the matter but it just began with simple things sympathy affections simple things we don't want the men to have their sympathies and their affections tied to us we actually don't want it we have sisters amen amen i want i i'm telling you it's precious it's precious form that bond with your sisters okay um it is necessary to guard the thoughts, to fence the soul about with the injunctions of God's word, and to be very careful in every thought, word, and action not to be betrayed into sin. It is necessary to guard against the cultivation of the indulgence of the lower passions, just the cultivation of it, just the things that make us begin to feel good in a not good way. Does that make sense? What I just said, we begin to feel good and it's not in a sanctified way. Like, we... I hope you understand that. This is not the fruit of sanctified thoughts or hearts. It is now the duty of God's commandment keeping people to watch and pray, to search the scriptures diligently, to hide the word of God in the heart, lest they sin against him in idolatrous thoughts and debasing practices, and thus the church of God become demoralized. So it's God's duty it's the duty of God's commandment, keeping people to watch and to pray um, and to search the scriptures diligently. So at this point, um, the, this, this word has a solution. Amen. The gospel is a simplifier of all life's problems. And if we diligently seek the scriptures and hide the word in our hearts, we will begin to understand and search our hearts and see these different actions that are brought out in our lives. Um, so Julissa is going to continue 
and bring out some of those very solutions that we've been talking about. All right. Um, I'm not here to talk about solutions because I am one that have arrived. Just want to let you guys know that. I'm here to explain and to share what the Lord has been doing for me personally and how he's been helping me to, to instead of this being the myth of the holy harlot, taking out harlot, taking out myth, and allowing it just to be holy because God wants our sanctification. And so before we begin, let me just quickly um, ask for the Holy Spirit to, to be with me as well. Loving Lord, I'm so grateful that you sent your son to die on my behalf, on behalf of my sisters. And I pray now that as you share unto us this relationship that you want us to have with you, Father, that you will draw close and nigh unto us. Hide me behind the cross of Calvary, dear Lord, and speak to me and through me, dear Father. Give me modest transparency, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So there's a lot that I can share, but I want to just let us look at an experience from the woman at the well. The woman at the well, in John 4, 29, she goes back to her town and she uses a phrase. She says, come see a man that showed me all things. He told me all things about myself. And in the Zion of Ages, it says, as the past of her life had been spread out before her, she had been made sensible of her great want. She realized her soul thirst, which the waters of the well of Sychar could never satisfy. Nothing that had hitherto come in contact with her had so awakened her to a higher need. She goes on to say, Jesus had convinced her that he read the secrets of her life. Yet she felt that he was her friend, pitying and loving her. While the very purity of his presence condemned her sin, he had spoken no word of denunciation, but had told her of his grace that could renew the soul. One, one morning, no, it was one evening in January. It was right after GYC. That's only why I remember. It was in January. I was battling with some of the things that my sister shared and affections and a brother and such and such. And, you know, things didn't go the way I tried to manipulate it to go. And so um, I was now praying and I was like, Lord, you know, is there a problem for me to want to be married? You know? This isn't fair, you know? Isn't it not good that man shall be alone? You know? Come on, right? And I was just like, Lord, is there an issue to be intimate, to, to want to know someone intimately and to be known intimately by someone else? Is there something wrong with that? What do you think? Is there something wrong with that? Well, I found this, and I thought it was really cool. It says, intimacy is into me, you see. And God reminded me, no. That's what I did to the woman at the well. And when she recognized that I knew her innermost soul, that I knew everything about her, it drew me, it drew her closer to me. And at that very moment, God said that I made you in my image. This is life eternal that they may know thee, the only true God. And when Adam knew Eve, they conceived. He showed me that there is a necessity of intimacy, that intimacy is divine. And because I was made in God's image, it is okay to be known by someone. But, my, but the question is, am I known by my creator? I am. He knows everything about me. Do I know him that intimately, though? Do I know him that intimately? God says, it's life eternal that they may know me. 
Jesus longs for intimacy with us. And through this intimacy relationship, he looks into our innermost souls and helps us to get break, brown, um, strongholds and things of that nature. Now, the woman at the well, how many husbands did she have? Well, she had five, and then the one now that she had, the sixth one wasn't her husband. So we know that she had an issue with sensualness. Can I say that? You know, we knew that she had an issue with her attachments or had an issue with love because she couldn't find it. And we knew that, and, you know, the context spirit prophecy tells us more. But unfortunately, sisters, when we come into uh, the truth or when we, go growing up, we may have lacked a relationship with God that we didn't, that we should have had. And we start to seek for things in different, in different ways. And we, start to, we may start to lose our purity. And I'm going to, I actually put a slide too soon. I want to, I'll go back to that slide after. A lot of the things that my sister Danella is sharing has to do with the, the lack of purity in our hearts. And what I want to look at is how to regain purity. Now, I don't know what any of you have gone through. You all know what your life experiences have been. You know what your struggles, struggles are. And by God's grace, I'll be as modestly transparent as possible as to some struggles that I have had and how God has been giving me victory. And so as I was starting this intimate relationship with God, it was beautiful. I said I was courting Jesus. And I would ask him these questions like, so where were you born? And he would, I, I'm dead serious. And he would tell me, you know, I was born in Bethlehem and stuff like that. <laughs> and I'd do a whole Bible say, so tell me about your mom. And he was talking about his mom, you know. You know, so what was going on in your life? Like what happened in like, you know, 80, you know, you know around that time, you know. And as I was doing this, the Lord started to show to me, this is the, you know, he started to unveil to me why I had these tendencies. Because you may have had early exposure to sensual or sexual behavior. You know, I'm just going to skip this slide. I'm going to go through, the, through it. Exposure. That can be through watching t television, things that you hear, through sensual behavior. And these are quotes. Write down the reference. Because it's like a time, I don't want to spend a whole lot, a lot of time on each quote. But um, I'll, I'll just highlight the influence. Exposure to certain behaviors can corrupt your thoughts. Prevent rain and, well, you can have rain and corrupt thoughts from, and it will stain your soul just by exposure. This is not even behavior. When I was growing up, my parents, family would watch television shows that had, you know, explicit scenes. You know what they always do for me? Cover your eyes. And, you know, and I'm like trying to see what's going on because if you tell a child to cover their eyes, you know, they're going to be intrigued. Yeah. Exposure. This is automatically Satan is developing in me, in me vain and corrupt thoughts. Romance novels, Christian romance novels, is also included. Your imagination has become corrupt until you seem to have no power to control your thoughts. This is what romance novels do to you. And praise God for the little ones I found. These are not the romance novels that I was reading. Nowhere near, no, nowhere near close to as pure as that probably looks. Also with romance novels, you have received incorrect ideas in regard to girls and boys associating with each other. Hollywood has lied to you, like she said. Romance novels. Pornography. I, unfortunately, I had friends, family members who would watch pornography and they would babysit me, so I'm being exposed to it too. There's nothing, nothing I can do about that. Child abuse. You know, this is a testimony. It's really powerful. 
talking to a minister, I think, who was abusing, sexually abusing children, young girls. And he didn't recognize what he was doing was wrong. But I want to look at the effects of it. The effects of it is it would lead her to lewdness and lustful practices. So you have people that may manifest these tendencies, but these may be some of the things that they've gone through in their past. And God wants to break them free from these things. It was not the child's fault that she was abused or he was abused. But, the, but when you look into your life now and you see that you may be showing these tendencies or bearing these fruits, God is saying, let me get to the root. Let me show you why you're doing these things. Let me help you, my daughter. Also, it says it's poisoning the mind and filling them with unholy imaginations. And then it says that you are leading youth into this habit of self-abuse. You guys know what self-abuse is? Masturbation. Self-abuse. This is to mothers, an appeal to mothers. And Sister White is going through a whole list of mental, physical, emotional, social things that is manifesting in their children. And the result was one thing, self-abuse. Here is the central one. It says, have you not seen that your children are anxious, have strong desire to be with the other sex? They have an overpowering disposition to form attractions when they're young. Your daughters have boys, the theme of their conversation. Your sons has been the girls. They manifest preference for particular ones. And your advice and warnings produce but little change. Blind passion overrules sensible considerations. These are all the things that she's, she's sharing. And she says, mothers, the great cause of this physical, mental, and moral evil is secret vice, which does what? It inflames the passions fevers the imaginations, and leads to licentiousness. So these are some of the things that people have gone through in their lives and why women have manifested characteristics of the strange woman. And someone in here may say, that has never happened to me. Praise God. Hereditary and cultivated tendencies. Because it may not have happened to you. It could have been your parents. It could have been your parents' parents. It could have been your parents' parents' parents. You know, in the line of Jesus, there was incest. There was harlotry. So we know that it doesn't matter what happened in our parents' you know, line. We can get victory. But those things are there. And it's just waiting for a trigger. Satan is waiting for a trigger. And, you know, Brother Levin talks so much about this lust. And I was so happy because I didn't have time to put it in my slides. But you're tempted at the lust. And this may not be your own personal lust. It may have been the lust of a parent that is now manifesting itself in you. It says, those who put their trust in Christ are not to be enslaved by hereditary or cultivated habits or cultivated habits or tendencies. Instead of being held in bondage to the lower nature, they are to rule every appetite and passion. God has not left us to battle with evil in our own finite strength. Whatever may be our inherited or cultivated tendencies to wrong, we can overcome through the power that he is ready to impart. And what all this possibly leads to is petting and premarital sex. All these, all these symptoms, all these experiences could lead to this. It could lead to flirting. It can lead to all the things that you know, was mentioned today. This, um, I'll just let you guys get to the quote. That's also, this is in letter 1897. And what was happening here is that a young man had this affection to this woman. And I'm going to go back to it. Basically, it says... Um, she sometimes made the advance, and you were infatuated with her. I'm talking to women, so I'm not going to worry about what he was doing. We're going to talk about what, what, we, what we can do. And then it goes on to say, 
When you should both be in your beds, you have been in one another's society and in one another's arms nearly the entire night. And that may not even be physically. That can be over the phone. That can be through text message. You know, oh, well, you know, his time zone is different from my time zone. It doesn't matter. It's still 12 o'clock your time. It doesn't make a difference. You should be in bed, you know. And as the Lord was showing me these things, as I'm having my intimate courting relationships with him, you know, Jesus is my, he's my counselor. And he's showing me these things. And he's like, my daughter, yes, it is okay to have an intimate relationship with me, with, with people or to have intimacy. But you've been looking for it in the wrong places. You need to have that with me. Let me show you why. You have been seeking for it in other locations. Let me show you why it has manifested itself like the things that Danella shared earlier. It's because you may have struggled with some of these things. Someone else may have struggled with some of these things. And when I came into the church, this is so tabooed. You know, only men are, to, are, are known to, quote unquote, be uh, uh, masturbate or to be in pornography. You know, we don't talk about what happens to our sisters. We don't talk about the unsanctified thoughts that goes on in the mind. And so I came into this church thinking, oh my goodness, I'm so pu I'm pure because all my sisters look so beautiful and holy. Who can I talk to? Who can I share? Who can I ask about these things? And that's why I go back to this slide here. And it was amazing to me that Mary had that same issue. Mary had been looked upon as a great sinner, but Christ knew the circumstances that had shaped her life. He might have extinguished every spark of hope in her soul but he did not and God says my daughter there's still hope and that hope comes from a purity of the soul God being able to purify the soul but let me refer to this quote earlier the first work of those who will reform is to purify the imagination when tempted to yield to a corrupt imagination, they flee to the throne of grace and pray for strength from heaven. The f okay, I'll go to the next slide. Purity of thought. This is a beautiful promise. Their meditation should be of that nature which will elevate their minds and make Jesus and heaven the subjects of their thoughts. If Satan seeks to divert the mind from this to low and sensual things, bring it back again and place it on eternal things. And when the Lord sees the determined effort made to retain only pure thoughts, he will attract the mind like the magnet and purify the thoughts and enable, enable them to cleanse themselves from every secret sin. So who's doing the work here? God is doing the work when we have made every effort that we can to purify our thoughts there is actually absolutely no excuse to have impure thoughts because when God sees us quoting scripture when he sees us putting songs in our head when he sees us trying to get thoughts out of our mind he literally attracts our mind to him he does it there's nothing that we have to do except for our our, our determined effort but I want to say that some people have the thought that you know I don't know why you're struggling with sensual sexual sins. You should have surrendered. You, 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 you have a problem with surrendering. That is not what the Bible and Spirit Policy tells us. She says you should control your thoughts. This will not be an easy task. You cannot accomplish it without close and even severe effort. I remember coming into this message and the thoughts, the impure thoughts that, that, that would come to my mind because of my past experiences. 
And I remember a sister talking with a sister one day, and she said, you know, Jaleesa, you're going to have to spend a lot of nights in prayer. And I was like, no, you know, like I surrendered all to Jesus. And she was not lying. A lot of prayer and agonizing and fasting and asking the Lord, Lord, help me to receive victory from these things. Because, oh, does that show up? Yes. Because some will acknowledge the evil of sinful indulgence, yet will excuse themselves by saying they cannot overcome their passions. This is a terrible admission for a Christian to make. Let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity, because the lower passions of their nature have taken the reins, and high moral principle, which should be the governing power, is gone. Sensuality has quenched the desire for holiness and has withered spirituality. And she says, the soul is held in the lowest bondage. Those who struggle with sexual or, so, or, or sensual sins are in the lowest bondage they can ever be. And so Satan has a very strong hold. And so it's not a simple, oh, you know, you should, what did I do? Oh. Um, it's not a simple, you know, you, you should be able to, to overcome. You know, why, why is it so hard? Why do you have to spend time in prayer? Why do you got to do all those things? It's not. It is not, because it's not an easy tax, yet God requires it. It is a duty resting upon every accountable being. You are responsible to God for your thoughts. Thoughts produce actions. So we need to have the acts relate to the root. Don't correct the actions. Let us correct the thoughts. Let us correct the motives. Now we can look about actions. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share this one first. So here is an action. I only have two actions I wrote on here. This one, because people think that it's extreme, but it's not. Keep clear of the boys. In their society, your temptations become earnest and powerful. Put marriage out of your girl's head. This testimony is to a very, it's, it's to a young girl. I would say everyone read this testimony. Some, for some, I'm not saying this is for everyone, for, for some, it's like sending an alcoholic into a bar. That's what it's like. So for some of my sisters, I'm not sure if it's you or if it's, I mean, I know what I've gone through. You're, you know what's in your heart. You know those things. And just like earlier was mentioned today that you have to set up boundaries. Your boundary may be keep clear of the boys. That may be your boundary. And there's nothing wrong with that. Don't let anyone tell you you're being extreme, you're not being social. Don't let anyone tell you that because your salvation is at stake. And his salvation is at stake. Especially if you're, you know, I was called a flirt so much growing up and I didn't believe it. I didn't know until I studied the same thing about being a flirt. So I studied Proverbs 5 and 6 and 7. And I was like, oh, Lord. And another principle I learned when the, Jesus was talking to his disciples um, when he said that he was going to be betrayed, they asked the question, is it I, Lord? They that very moment, they searched their heart and they searched their thoughts against Christ. Because they wanted to know, is there something that I'm holding against Jesus that I will betray him? So I had to read these things and say, Lord, is it I? Because I can see it. I mean, it may be you. I can be, yeah, Janela, you were flirting with that brother. You sure was. Is it I, Lord? Am, am I the person that's going through this? And here is where God started to teach me more. You may become a prudent, modest, virtuous girl, but not without earnest effort. 
You know, I was so grateful because I started doing this. The Holy Spirit was teaching me. He's my counselor. We have counseling sessions. I'm telling you, counseling sessions every night. Actually, turn to Psalms 4-4. We have counseling sessions every night. I owe him a huge bill, but Jesus paid it all. <laughs> every night. And Psalms 4-4 is beautiful. And when I come to him, I remind him. I don't have to remind him of his word, but he likes us to present his word to him. It says, stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. So Jesus was telling me as I was getting to know him, I thought it was really weird that he knew every single intimate detail of my life. And I was like, that's kind of vulnerable. And um, he started to teach me. He said, you must watch, you must pray, you must meditate, you must investigate your motives and your actions. Closely analyze your feelings and your acts. Would you, in the presence of your father, perform an impure action? No, indeed. So every night, so Julissa, how do you think you interact with brother so-and-so today? Well, father, you know, that joke wasn't funny, but I think I overheard him saying something like, Julissa has a really nice smile. And so I thought, you know, <laughs> I'm just going to laugh. Mm. No. Ask for forgiveness. Julie said, how do you think you interacted with such and such? Well, he was standing in the way, and I really just wanted to get him out the way, so I accidentally tapped him, but that arouses stuff in our brothers, by the way. Don't, don't, don't touch the brothers. You know, I accidentally tapped him, and he kind of went like this, and I'm like, oh, no. He's like, just don't do that, because you don't know what that arouses in your brothers. Well, Julissa, how do you think you did such and such with such and such today? Well, Father, the truth is I am really attracted to him. I think he's handsome. Yeah, try not to be in his company so often. Keep clear of him. Because since you're kind of attracted to him, you have that little girlish flirtation type thing that you do, you know, where you just want to talk to them. Don't do it. Okay, Father. You know, I have to go through my day. And it's not just with, it's not just with my brothers. You know, how did I speak to sister such and such? She seemed to be kind of offended in my response to her, you know. But because the sake of topic, I'm just speaking in regards to that. He had to show me, commune with, your, be real with your heart. And I realized I wasn't real with God. I'll, I'll be like, Lord, you know I think I like that brother. You know, I, you know that. And that's it. He's like, no, talk to me. Let me tell you why he's not the one, because I don't know why you're looking at him anyway. Talk to me, you know. Be real with your, commune with your heart upon your bed and be still. Because that is the only way that Christ can speak to your soul. Intimacy, the text that I was referring to is here. He sees into our deepmost soul and we can be set free from any defiling sin, from any corrupting thought. And like it was mentioned earlier today, Belpura at the borders of Canaan, they sent those women in there to deceive those men. We have such power in our hands, my sisters. We have such power in our hands. But one steadfast, which means a firm or a constant look to the Savior uplifted upon the cross, will do more to purify the, imagination, the, the mind and heart from every defilement than will all the scientific explanations by the ablest tongue. We're told that we can, we can escape the corruption that is in this world through lust. We can. That is a precious promise. We can. And I don't know, did, I, did, we, did we resonate with any of you all in this room today? 
did anything make sense? Have you seen yourself in, in anything we mentioned today? Praise God. Praise God. Turn with me to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, verse 1 says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Sisters, my prayer is that I may be saved, and that if you are struggling with any of these things, you might be saved. And if, if you're at a place, if you don't have sisters, if you don't have people in your environment that you feel comfortable to talk to to receive that victory, because I did not. Not because... I did not because I thought everyone was just so high, holy, and pure. I didn't know that sisters struggle with things, you know? I thought it started with me. I thought I was just the only one. And God was able to show me, I can be your counselor. I can be that one that talks to you. Amen. But why do we have to allow our sisters to struggle like that? Why can't we learn to have modest transparency? Why can't we take sisters aside and we can come together and encourage one another of the struggles that are, that are really happening? Because we don't. We don't talk about real struggles. It's a taboo. And that's why it's not being dealt with. And so my prayer, my hope and desire is that my sisters in Zion, my, we will be saved from the lowest bondage that Satan has. And so, so I, I wish I could have shared more, but I know that time was running out. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much, Jalisa. And we're just going to, we're just going to close, actually. You can just stay up here now. I'm going to close with this one text that you all know so well and that Jalisa just um, alluded to, which is 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. And it's really the first part that I want to hone in on. There is no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. That's what I want us all to understand. Um, what I'm going through all of us could be going through it's there's no temptation that's not common that means if you're being tempted with something it's common mm -hmm. the word common means many others are being tempted with the same thing and that just means we have a savior who is able to keep you from falling as he's been able to keep so many thousands of others it's not uncommon it doesn't take me by surprise like oh what's this what's going on in her mind no it's it's common um, but God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. And so find those precious promises. So that's what it says in Second Peter 1 verse 4. It's the precious promises that are the way of escape. And so for every temptation that we're dealing with for every time that we want to act this, these, this way towards our brothers um, and that could have come from some other way from some hereditary from some cultivated from something that happened in our childhood wherever it came from this is not the blame game it's for us to now find the escape route and it's in the promises and so those precious promises that we're given this morning hold on to them find your own promise and say lord i hold this promise up to you this is going into my mind i'm tempted to act this way towards my brother i am tempted to act the way of a harlot but you have said there is no temptation 
um, that is not common. And you have also said that you have given me a way of escape and it's in the precious promises. Amen. So I just implore all of my precious sisters, uh, come together, press together, uplift each other as sisters, find confidence with each other in sisters, find spiritual answers with each other in sisters. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm, I don't, don't, don't take these things to extremes, but be real with, with your motives. Allow God to help you to be real with your motives. Um, how many of you today really want to make a commitment, a real commitment? One, to allow God to help you to be willing with your heart. How many of you want to make that commitment today? God, what you show me, I'm not going to pass off as, no, I'm not really going through that. I'm going to allow you to really help me to be open with my heart about these motives okay praise god secondly how many of you are willing to say i'm going to make a careful examination of my association with my brothers and whatever the lord tells me to do by his grace i want to make that change how many of you want that today now whatever that this could be painful but it's better to be painful on this side of eternity amen <laughs> we don't want to go through the pain on the other side of eternity we don't have to we don't have to go through that pain better now and in 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 heaven have life everlasting remember let's kneel for a word of prayer Jalisa, can you pray for us most kind and loving father our savior our friend our redeemer and our counselor oh dear lord we're so grateful that you have called us women lord You've called us to manifest your glory and your character. You have called us to a higher and a deeper relationship with you, that we may show forth your praises, dear Lord. And Father, you know all of the things that was presented today. And I can even imagine Satan trying to distract, trying to make tired, trying to create excuses in our minds, dear Father, that um, this is not something that is important or needful. And I pray, dear Lord, that you will beat back the forces of darkness, that we may learn, even if not for us, for someone else, dear Father, that we can be that listening ear, that we can send them to the rock, which is Christ Jesus, that we may teach them through an example how to be fulfilled in you, dear Lord. I pray, Lord, that you will help us and you promise us that you will attract the mind like a magnet unto yourself. How precious are you for us. And so we thank you so much, dear Lord. We ask that you may forgive us for our sins. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.